and welcome to a very special episode of Insurance Tomorrow, a podcast brought to you by me, Steph McGovern and Alliance. Now in this series, we discuss some of the most important global trends expected to impact the insurance industry in the future. We've covered everything from e-mobility to open finance and underinsurance. Now, if you haven't managed to catch them, you can listen now on your normal podcast app. Today, we have a Bieber special episode of the series with the virtual conference, of course, taking place this week. So I'm joined by four of our Alliance senior board members to discuss some of the key topics which will be covered at the Bieber 2021 conference with a focus on building resilience together. Joining us for this are Simon McGinn, General Manager, Neil Clutterbuck, Chief Underwriting Officer, Stephanie Smith, Chief Operating Officer, and Graham Gibson, Chief Claims Officer. Now, our first topic is the future of insurance broking. Whether it be Brexit or the pandemic, there have been so many changes over the last year to the insurance landscape. So I want to start by looking at what a broker needs to do to stay resilient in these challenging times. Now, given how much we've talked about the pandemic, I think we should start with Brexit. So, Neil, what impact has this had on the insurance industry, would you say? Hi. Well, I think the um, first question really to answer is, is what's been the impact on UK PLC? And the latest statistics that we've received from the Office of, of National Statistics and Business Insights have shown us that less than 1% of UK businesses cite Brexit as, as a reason for, for turnover changes or reductions, while 94% of businesses haven't changed what they're exporting. And a further 5% of trading businesses have had to change supply changes. Um, and make supply chain changes. So, so from that perspective, we've seen pretty minimal impact on UK PLC. If we bring that closer to home, I think what we've seen is, is a move in the run-up to Brexit of brokers establishing European EEA-regulated counterparts to really support continued trading and to place multinational business. And from Allianz's perspective, we've been very much focused and committed to delivering what we consider to be the right solutions for customers. And by that, we mean providing local covers in local territories for our customers. So really, I think from that perspective, we've made um, some, some really strong steps. The UK economy is looking pretty robust and resilient in the context of Brexit. And we're finding that delivering those local solutions is really the way forward for us. Yeah, some really important points there, Neil. Thanks very much. So then with the pandemic, looking at how that has impacted the industry, I mean, I imagine, Stephanie, it's been impacted in so many different ways. Hi, um, thank you very much for the question. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, first of all, from an operational standpoint, you know, I think actually the way that we moved to work from home so quickly, quite frankly, has been miraculous across the industry. I think pretty much everybody has managed to stand up uh, a home working operation from, from a, a very uh, low base, if you like, really quickly. So I think it's given us a confidence that actually our base level of operational resilience was really quite good. Um, some of the innovative technology solutions and the way our people have been really, I think, tremendously resilient for all of this over the last 12 months to find different ways to work, different ways of working, to fit their job around their home uh, care requirements, all that thing has been quite remarkable. So operationally resilience-wise, I think the industry has responded really well and, and the impact has been managed from that perspective. I mean, if you look more broadly, again, from a customer's perspective, I think their expectations have changed. Um, I think people want to do business differently and obviously more people have gone online and I expect that that will 
um, continue as we go into the future. So we'll see different customer expectations, different customer behaviors. People will clearly, I think, be driving less as more people continue to work from home. And I think these sorts of behavioral changes undoubtedly will, will influence the industry, uh, what we insure, how we insure, um, and how we operate going forward. And of course, the claims impact has also been significant, of which that's, that's quite well understood. So it's been, it's been quite a remarkable event um, from that perspective. Yes, it has changed the industry. And I think many of those changes are likely to be here to stay for, for a while. And Graham, how do you think the insurance industry will change as a result? Yeah, thanks for that. I think uh, in many respects, uh, the changes that Stephanie has uh, has talked about are here to stay. But in other respects, I don't think things will change. So what will stay the same? I think our customers will still want uh, expert advice from a broker. They'll still want a broker to explain how uh, products work and operate. And they'll still want a broker to seek out uh, an expert insurer that absolutely knows what they're doing and provides great products for our customers. So I think that kind of aspect uh, really won't change very much at all. I think the delivery, and that's really what Stephanie talked about, I, I can see changing quite significantly. So a much more digital and data experience uh, and maybe much more on online. So as I say, in one respect, things will change quite a bit and in others, they won't. Now, I know you don't have a crystal ball, Simon, but what do you think brokers should be considering to try and future-proof their businesses? Well, I think um, brokers have got, got a lot to consider, as we all have as a result of um, the last 18 months. But I'd be very, very confident in their ability to um, ride this out. And, and I think, as, as a number of people have already suggested, you know, the value in the advice that they provide is huge to their customers. Um, they'll need to take a bit of their own advice um, they'll need to adapt. Um, they'll need to understand the changes and how it impacts their business, but but also their clients' businesses. The the real thing I think they need to do to to sort of future proof their business is do as they did before, which is really be very entrepreneurial in the way that they um, run their businesses. Be hugely customer focused, and just make sure that they are um, adapting with trends um, as they emerge. And and I'm I'm hugely confident that they will do so um, when there's change. In, in industry or, or any part of life, there's huge opportunities. And if there's one thing that brokers are good at, it is being able to identify a need um, and being able to find a solution. So I, I think it's it's about just deploying the same approach and same skills as they've always brought to the industry, focusing on the client, giving that good advice. And, and I think if they do that and work with their insurance partners, such as Alliance, then I, I think they'll be um, they'll be in good shape. Well, let's move on then to the second topic that I wanted to discuss with you. This one focusing on mental health, um, something which I'm really pleased to say is being talked about so much more now, which has got to be a good thing. And given the year we've had with the pandemic and the government restrictions, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, that a lot of people's mental health has been really pushed to the limit. You know, and I think we're going to be feeling the repercussions of the last year for, you know, however many months and even years to come. So what I want to talk about is how businesses and leaders can support their teams through these difficult times. So let me start with you, Stephanie. What do you think the risks are of not prioritising mental well-being of employees? I mean, I think just to start with, just a, a reminder or, or recognition, I guess, that I think that the topic of, of mental health and personal resilience has emerged as, I think, the biggest thing for us to really focus in on. I mean, it's always been there, um, but I think, you know, recognising its criticality and the fact that it's, it's a really important part of our ability to deliver 
um, for our customers and create a sustainable work environment is really, really important. And, and it has always been there, I think, but, but much more hidden and much more of a taboo topic. So one of the good things I think about the pandemic is it's really raised this topic up the agenda you know, and given that one in three people, for example, will have a mental health issue of some sort across their lives, it impacts us all. So as leaders and as people who deal with customers who, who will be, you know, impacted by this, I think understanding the topic is really important. And I, and I think it's the enforced lockdown that, and, that, and that sort of real lack of personal contact that's created, um, you know, this sense of loneliness and isolation and the levels of anxiety, of course, are much heightened. So, so lots of reasons why this is a real challenge. And of course, if we don't address and give them due time and think about how we equip our leaders, et cetera, then our businesses just cannot and will not be able to operate. So it's a, it's a critical component of our ability to, to run our businesses, I think, going forward and connect with each other. Um, so we have a sustainable model that, that we can take into the future. Now, I think all of us would like to be more resilient. So how do you think brokers and businesses can support their employees to become more resilient? Simon, what do you think? So I, I think the way in which this works is is about taking um, support from where it's available. And, and there's a huge amount of discussion around this um, in general, in, in the media and, and in, in the industry specifically. So, so I think the first thing would really be just about sitting back and understanding what the pressures within the business are, uh, making sure that um, the, the sorts of things we would all do on our best days, you know, making sure we're, we're asking questions of people's well-being, understanding, um, you know, how aspects of the business, but also the, the broader aspects of, of life are impacting on individuals and seeing, you know, whether or not there are things that can be done to, to adapt the ways we work and um, just support one another in terms of actually dealing with the challenges that, that are faced. I think one of the key things that, that I would be keen to emphasize is the sort of support we're providing as part of our uh, broker support program with the, the ability to have people supported in doing our mental health first aid training, which we're, we're offering to brokers to enable them to be able to address these sorts of challenges and issues within their business in a, in a structured and um, supported way. So, so I think that would be the first thing I would say. So let me ask each of you as well, kind of what you do yourself to boost your own well-being. So, Neil, I'll start with you. Good question. I, I think I try and start every day with, with half an hour of exercise just to get the endorphins going in the first instance. I think it's great just to, to be able to clear the mind and, and focus on something outside of work and, 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 and other things. I think that's always a good good start point. I think the other aspect for me also is, is being able to close the door from from a work perspective so i think with all of us finding ourselves working from home or in different working environments then having the discipline to know when you're on and when you're off work is 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 really quite important and keeping those um uh, those disciplines in place and graham what do you do to boost your own well-being so i think the one thing that i've really noticed during this uh, this kind of strange time i'm sure it was there before but i've really picked up on it now is that it's incredibly easy to form bad habits and difficult to break them. And uh, on the flip side, it's really hard to form good habits and, and keep them going. So um, being very mindful of that is, is something that's quite important to me. Um, a bit like Neil, um, I'm definitely back into the gym. I was back into the gym as quickly as possible because just that exercise and that sort of uh, that stimulation is, is really helpful. And Simon, how do you look after your head then? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, again, I think Graham and Neil have, have covered it and, and I would have some similarities, although I'm sure my fitness regime is nowhere near as effective as theirs. But um, but I think having structured your day 
um, doing some exercise, I, taking a break. Um, I, I think that's really important midway through the day because I think we all find ourselves in hugely productive um, interactions during the course of the day because of the, the technology that's available to us. But the ability to sort of flip from one thing straight into the next without any sort of micro break um, is, is, I think, a big drain in the long term on, on your energy. Um, and I think to that point, and as Neil suggested, you know, making sure that you're able to draw the line. I, I was at a thing recently where I heard somebody describe it not so much as it's, it's not so much work from home if you're not careful. It's more like sleep in the office. And I think trying to avoid, you know, it becoming that and making sure you've got the benefit of a, a break at the end of the day um, that would otherwise have been perhaps your commute and finding ways to fill that time and just just draw a line on the on the day is important and, and not find yourself doing emails at eight o'clock at night every day of the week. Stephanie, what is it you do to make sure you're looking after your head? Yeah, really great, really great question that I think. Um, I think we all will have different ways of, of coping and working. I think um, for me, uh, a couple of silly things, uh, time outside, fresh air, space um, and proper disconnect from the day job um, through the day. Um, a hard cut off at the end of the day when I literally pack up my laptop and my kit and put it away under the stairs so I can't see it and feel like I have gone on a virtual walk out of the office to, to go home. Um, I'm a big advocate of, of things like yoga to properly relax and invest a little bit of time just in me. Now, COVID-19 saw the Financial Conduct Authority increase its focus not just on the financial resilience of firms, but on their operational resilience too, with, of course, the industry adapting to a new way of working. So in this section, I just want to talk about what should brokers, insurers and the industry as a whole be considering as a priority for the rest of 2021. So, Graham, let me ask you, what are the changes then? Just remind us that the FCA have brought in due to the pandemic. Oh, that's that's quite a big question. I think um, we could have a whole podcast on on that question alone, and I think we'd have um, plenty of material to talk about. So you mentioned the operational resilience. I think Steph's going to talk about that. So I'll kind of skip past that um, and, and leave it to the experts, as they say. For me personally, the FCA test case around business interruption insurance has been a big part of my life uh, for, for the last year or so. But there are some things that the regulator was already looking at such as GI value assessment and COVID has actually accelerated that and turned that into looking at product value. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about product value as an example. So obviously there are some products that during this COVID period uh, you could question whether or not they have retained the same value for the customer. Uh, you know, An easy example would be travel insurance to foreign countries. I would question whether or not that's held the same value over over the last year or so. It's really helped us look at our products through a different lens and really understand what the value is to the customer and what changes we should make to the product to benefit the customer. So it's just one example of the many, many things that are happening, driven partly by the pandemic, but also driven by the uh, FCA's agenda. Neil, what would you say are the issues then that COVID-19 has brought into focus for insurers and brokers? Yeah, I think um, just building on some of the points that Graham was making there really strikes me. So for, for me, I think what it's brought into sharp focus is the, the way in which um, 
insurers and brokers have worked in partnership really to look at how we can provide the best value to customers at the time of need within our existing products. And I think particularly in that instance as to the early days of when COVID-19 unfortunately struck and, and we started to look at ways in which we could support our customers, relying on feedback from our brokers so that we could look at offering increased advice, whether it be around risk management guidance as, as they were looking to effectively mothball premises or extending cover to customers to, to cover unoccupied premises or, or fleet vehicle volunteering insurance, you know, those sorts of things, or enabling return premiums as we saw exposures adjust quite quickly in a very short space of time. So it, it's in those sorts of areas, and I think the partnership and the way that we work together to try and support our customers is something that, um, you know, if one was to look for the positive from COVID-19, that's something that we can take forward with us. Operational resilience is a topic, Stephanie, that you and I have, have talked about before, haven't we? So how can businesses, brokers and insurers be more operationally resilient, would you say? Yeah, no, no, a really good topic. And of course, very much top of mind at the moment. And I think, um, you know, that this, this is a very large topic, very um, a la mode and, and what have you. But if I were to think of a few really critical things, I'd call out, I'd call out probably three. I think the very first one is to think about it. <laughs> so take the topic um, seriously and, and have a think about what might go wrong and what could go wrong. There's all sorts of uh, sustainability and threat trackers out there. Um, and, and people have put a lot of thought into the sorts of things that could destabilize and could um, create challenges in your business. You know, they include things like cyber threats, uh, insider threats. Uh, they could be, um, uh, you know, global pandemics, for example, or even, you know, self-generated threats like system changes. So have a think about the sorts of things that could create a challenge in your business and then prepare for them. So for, for those sorts of big events I've just described, we in Allianz certainly have thought about those before. We have what we call playbooks, which says, you know, how will I respond if my networks all suddenly go down? What would I need to do? Who would I need to talk to? What would I say to my customers? What would my fallback processes and approaches be, et cetera? So thinking about them, running it down, being prepared, and then practicing those scenarios is really important. And, I mean, an example I've quoted before um, related to um, a, th a terrorist threat potentially and what we might do if one of our offices was locked down. And, and I think those of you who have heard the, the, the previous podcast on this will, will say, you know, very fortunately, we practiced that whole scenario um, a few months in advance of it happening for, for real uh, in our London office. So that gave you and gave us huge confidence. So think about it, practice, top, top first thought, I think. I think the second thing I would call out is, is really making sure, and this is most pertinent for us uh, and our brokers as we work with you, but making sure the people you partner with also have resilience. Um, so whether that means uh, practicing, again, various scenarios with third parties or when you make new arrangements, new contracts, ask them. Ask them what their cyber measures are. Ask them what their BCP planning regime looks like. You know, ask them what they're doing to back up their data and how regularly they do it. Because you're only as strong as your weakest link in your network. Um, and so it's really important that the people you entrust your service delivery with are also thinking about operational resilience and, and that topic in general. Really important that, that I think all, we all continue to hold each other to account there as we go forward. And I guess the last thing I would say is, you know, knowing what we know now about how we've had to, you know, fall back to work from home um, and some of the, the, the new on the hoof ways of working that we've created, I think it's beholden on us all as we look forward to ensure that we build in resilience 
to the things we do going forward. So whether that's, you know, if you're using more robotics or process automation, you know, think about, well, how will our business operate if that, if that stops working? And, and, and give a bit of thought to that so you build it into to the, to the way that you operate um, and, and therefore you're, more, again, more confident as you, as you look to the future. If you're creating new products, think about how you might still distribute those if your previous distribution networks fail, et cetera. So, so thinking forward, building in that resilience um, so that, you know, for example, when we have another global pandemic, and unfortunately, the chances are in the next 10 years, we will have another one. We are not relearning the same things that we learned last time. And actually, our ability to switch on uh, new digital capabilities or immediately or quickly work from home, that is just sec- has become second nature and part of our normal sort of modus operandi. So, so they're the three things. First one is, is making sure that you think about it, plan it and be prepared. The second one is make sure you partner with people who really understand what's going on. And the third one is build the resilience as you look to the future. So big question, Simon, but what should brokers and insurers be considering for 2021 to make sure they are meeting the FCA's expectations? I think the, the take I would have on this is is just a simple one in the sense that if you want to create value, um, it's relatively easy to go and look at the ways in which we design products and propositions and say, here's value. But But for it to be really effective, I think we all have to look at our businesses and see where we are actually creating customer harm. Now, it's very unlikely to be deliberate. But I think it's an important lens that we need to apply to our businesses to to look at that, because without going after it and, and just asking yourself the questions, kind of as Graham alluded to with the products reassessment um, in, in the pandemic, you, you may miss that harm, which undermines your ultimate ambition of providing value. I think the other thing, just quickly to say on this, particularly when it comes to insurers and brokers working together, is is that sort of understanding how our, our value chain in terms of delivery of the, the manufactured product through distribution into the customer is, is affecting that value. I am pretty certain that the vast majority of, of the interactions that we have do enhance and protect that value. But again, it's something that we need to work together um, to, to make sure um, is the case all the time and that we're not inadvertently um, doing things that that are reducing the value to the to the ultimate customer. So that 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 would be my thought on it. Now it's well known that having a more diverse and inclusive workforce obviously leads to better business decisions, long term thinking, innovation, and competitive advantage. And the insurance industry is, of course, no different. So how can brokers and insurers be inclusive and representative of society? That's what I want to talk about now. Um, so, Neil, what are the benefits, first of all, to having a diverse workforce? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I think for us, it's really important that we have a workforce that's reflective of our customer base and the society that we're looking to help secure and protect. And from that perspective, I think having that diversity really enables us to look at our products, look at the solutions and the way we deliver those solutions to market to ensure that ultimately they meet the needs of our customers. So it's really important we represent that customer base and and meet their needs. I think also that diversity of thinking gives us greater levels of innovation and enables us to bring better solutions to market. And that, you know, candidly is also therefore a source of um, business and competitive advantage. And that leads to a better business for all, I think. Graham, was there anything you wanted to add to that in terms of the benefits? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's the diversity of thought point or what's now referred to as cognitive diversity. I think having a diverse team really improves your outcomes. And that's the main thing for me. 
stretching and challenging each other uh, in a respectful fashion gets you to a much, much better place. And that's that's what really is important from my perspective in terms of a diverse and inclusive workforce. And Stephanie, just looking at Allianz, tell us about what they have in terms of diversity and inclusion initiatives. So actually, that the topic of inclusion um, has been very, very much top of our agenda for quite some time. And um, and I think, you know, what, what's really important, I think, for, for, for us and what we've done at, at, um, at Allianz really is to really ensure that we have an employee-led agenda when it comes to inclusiveness. So one of the key things that we, we have established, they've been around for a couple of year, years now, is, is a framework and, and a network of networks, if you like, uh, covering sort of five or six key in- inclusivity topics that they will include mental health. We've already talked about that one but also race, culture, LGBT, gender, all the, all the sort of normal things. And what's really important is that we give those communities, those networks, room and space to listen to what's going on in the wider business, create an environment, a safe environment where people can talk about uh, issues and, and concerns that they may have and then bring those up to a board and a body, if you like, where we talk about the whole topic more generally. So, so creating an environment where the dialogue happens, where it's a listening culture, and helps then shape our policies um, to make sure they're fit for purpose, I guess, is, is the most important thing. Um, of course, um, we have our eyes and ears open to the wider market and uh, to, to make sure we tap into the relevant, relevant networks. So whether that means uh, being a member of the Business Disability Forum or a member of Stonewall or whatever it may well be, uh, really making sure that we stay close to the latest thinking, latest trends and all those sorts of things that are kind of the things that we do. But but uh, yeah, I think as an industry, we clearly are, are, are doing a huge amount in this space uh, more generally. And I think uh, creating this much more inclusive environment for all um, is, is a really positive, uh, really positive move. So Simon, how can then brokers and insurers make sure that they are being completely inclusive? I think there's a few things in this, really. Um, the first thing is making sure, we, as my colleagues have already sort of indicated on a, a couple of examples, that, that we have a broad, broad and diverse understanding of diversity and inclusion itself. And, and I think really making sure then that with that understanding, we focus on, you know, is being a driver of business improvement um, rather as something that, that we, we need to be seen to be doing. So, so I think that, you know, the way in which it can improve the business, as Neil suggested, with better outcomes and better business performance um, should be at the, the core of the thinking. And I think the second thing that's really important then is, is making sure, sure that we all follow through on our commitments, um, you know, both internally and externally. So, so taking on those some of more challenging conversations and, and difficult to pursue objectives. So if I take an example from within our business, you know, we, we have an engineering inspection business, which has 580 engineer surveyors, which as of today, six of whom are female. Now, that's perhaps something to do with tradition, perhaps something to do with the way in which we have recruited, but we're looking actively at how we support things like the International Women's Women in Engineering Day in June to, to try and drive greater awareness and become more attractive to that cohort. Um, so that's something we're very much doing externally. And of course, we've also sponsored through our um, England rugby sponsorship, the um, Alliance Premier 15s and the Inner Warrior Programme, which is all designed to just build confidence and, and give clarity about support to, to the message of the, that we are issuing around trying to be a more, more diverse and inclusive industry. So, so I think it's about putting your money where your mouth is and, and, and really chasing those, those challenging um, issues to, be, uh, to improve your business. 
Well, I think that's a good point to end discussions. Uh, so let's bring this special Bieber episode to a close. My thanks to Simon McGinn, Neil Clutterbuck, Stephanie Smith and Graham Gibson. Please do subscribe to the series through your podcast app that way. You'll make sure you don't miss an episode and we would really appreciate you leaving us a review too. So from me, Steph McGovern and Alliance, thanks very much for listening.